Hey everyone, and welcome to Encounter Church Online. Thank you for joining us, no matter if you are listening through our app or on YouTube or maybe even live on Facebook. We're so glad that you are joining us today. We do believe that because today you're, you are with us, that you can encounter a God who loves you very much. My name is Jason, one of the pastors on staff here at Encounter, and I'm really, really glad to be with you over the next few weeks as we continue the series, Better Decisions and Fewer Regrets. Before I jump into today, I want to remind you of our next service time. Make sure to jot your calendar. If you are in town, we would love for you to be right here inside here at Encounter Church at 18 Southwest Park, July 25th at 10.30. So make sure to jot your calendars. We would love to see you face-to-face for that next service. As we continue this series, we've been really wrestling through certain questions. Now, I don't know about you, but I love a good question. And sometimes a good question leads to even another question that leads to another question. And the more we ask ourselves questions, the more we find good answers, the more we find sometimes good insight. Over this past several weeks, we've been wrestling through certain questions, and the right question leads us to the right answer, which leads us to the right path. And Pastor Chris has been sharing, and there's so much incredible insight from this series, and so much incredible insight, even from the book of Proverbs and beyond, about what does it mean to really leverage and give this life our very best, and make better decisions and fewer regrets. What does it look like to live a life that honors God and live, uh, and live a life that allows us to walk in wisdom? And really, I, I'm sure you are like me. I do have regrets, but how do we get to a place where we minimize those regrets and we make wise choices that allow us to not look back and have regrets? I love a good question. And I remember um, growing up not liking this question, and as a parent now, I don't like asking this question, but it's often easy to get into a situation where I'm talking to one of my kids or I'm talking to someone else and you ask this question, was that the right thing to do? Like, I don't like that question because it often comes with guilt and shame and regret. Was that the right thing to do? But what if, what if the, the question was different? And the question this week is different than is it right or is it wrong? Because right or wrong leads us to a moral conversation. Right or wrong also leads us to a family dynamic conversation. Sometimes I'll say to one of my, to, to one of my kids, I'll say, hey, don't say that word. And they'll look at me like, what's wrong with that word? Why? Because they might hear everyone else say that word. And so some things are quite subjective. What is right and what is wrong? And sometimes it's not subjective. It's pretty easy. Like there's a line in the sand. This is good and this is evil or this is right and this is wrong. But what if there is a better question to wrestle with that not, it doesn't push out the right wrong because my goodness, that's an important question. What is right and what is wrong? And as Christians, we wrestle with this. What does the Bible say about how we ought to live? What is right in God's eyes and what is wrong in God's eyes? So it's a good question. But laced throughout scripture is a different question that I want to present to you today. And it's this question. What's the wise thing to do? What's the wise thing to do? It's a different question, isn't it? It doesn't push out right or wrong because there is a right or wrong, but it just changes the element. I don't know what you're facing inside the home 
I don't know what you're facing with children or maybe what you're facing with your parents or in the workplace. My goodness, I read something this past week that there's, there are projections that almost 40% of the workforce in the next 18 months will turn over. The amount of people changing jobs or transitioning jobs or looking for new work is really, really high. The number of people that have been out of work, that some are going back to work, there's just a lot of turnover. And so we're wrestling with so many questions about what do I do? What is my next step? Is this right or is this wrong for me? What about this question for today? What's the wise thing to do? It changes it, doesn't it? Because the wrong assumption that we easily deal with is this, right or wrong. And think about this. I'm sure you can even finish the sentence. Maybe you're in the kitchen, finish the sentence for me. Maybe you're, you're, you're going for a run and you're listening in through our podcast. Finish this sentence for me, okay? If it's not wrong, then it must be right. Finish this one for me. Well, okay, well, if it's not wrong, it must be right. What about this one? If it's not illegal, it must be legal. What about this one? Well, if it's not immoral, it must be, yeah, the opposite, moral, must be okay, must be acceptable. What about this one? If it's not over the line, then it must be okay. It must be fine. And so we often think in black and white, and this is right, and this is wrong. And, and again, that's a good thing that we should wrestle through. But the one today of it, the question, is it the wise thing to do, is one that I want us to wrestle through. It changes it. Let's go with this. Think about driving down the road. You're just beginning to learn to drive, and you remember that and how fun that was and how scary that was, especially probably for your parents, right? When you're learning to drive and you learn to obey the speed limit, if you're like me, sorry, mom and dad, if you're listening in, I had three tickets before I graduated high school, two more my freshman year in college. Yeah, I lost my license for several months because I did not obey the speed limit, right? Well, the right thing to do is easy. Go the speed limit, right? What about this? What's the wise thing to do? Well, you, this could be subjective too because you start wrestling. Well, hey, the speed limit's 70. Is it okay to go 75? Yeah, 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 it's probably okay to go 75. What about 79? Well, it's in the 70 range. You know, if the speed limit's 70, 79, it's not that big, but 80. Well, what's the right thing to do? Maybe the right or, or, or wrong is too difficult when you think about the example of a speeding limit. What's the wise thing to do? It changes it, doesn't it? The wise thing to do is pretty easy when you start thinking about the speed limit. Slow down. And if I could hear my teenage self, and if someone were to ask me that, Jason, what's the wise thing to do? right? The right or wrong was pretty easy. Well, just, okay, 70, 75 is okay. But the wise thing to do was, would be to slow down. The wisdom challenge is such a massive challenge in our life. And we have this incredible bearing that we find in the scripture. And I want to bring that to you today. And this incredible bearing that we have in the scripture about not only what's right and wrong, though right and wrong is set foundational throughout all of scripture, and the Bible is really this incredible compilation of many books that really tells us not only the story of God, the heart of God, the story of Jesus and how much he loves you. It tells us the story of the life, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the story of redemption, the story of love. It's this incredible book that's really about how much God loves you and God loves me. But also we find this incredible bearing of what God's desire is for how we ought to live. But you'll also find in scripture 
not only the rights and the wrongs of how we ought to live and what pleases God and what honors God, but you'll also find that Scripture speaks so much more about the wise way to live than it is a right and wrong. I don't see much in Scripture about speed limits. I don't see much in Scripture. I could talk a lot of different things. There's a lot in Scripture about marriage, but there aren't many descriptions of dating, right? And when you start thinking about so many aspects of our life, the Bible is full of wisdom. The Bible is full of direction. The Bible is full of principles and teachings and guidance. And it's like an an arrow pointing us in the right direction. But the Bible doesn't necessarily have a verse on what job you ought to take. The Bible doesn't have a verse on who you ought to marry. Wouldn't that be nice? It would be a little bit easier. But the Bible says so much about how we ought to live. And it really speaks to wisdom. And the question is, what's the wise thing to do? What would your life look like if you wrestle with that question with exactly what you're going through today? Man, I've heard some incredible, incredibly difficult, incredibly, um, uh, really dark things that people are going through. I hear it all the time. And I know that you do too. Maybe it's you. Maybe it's someone that you know. What would that question do for you in this very moment? What would that question do for you in this season of your life when you begin to wrestle with, man, what's the wise thing for me to do? I'm not sure what's right. I'm not sure if this is wrong. But what if I lived in a way that was wise? Well, even that question sometimes is difficult to answer. But we have an incredible, an incredible book that we call the Bible that tells us so much about how to live in wisdom. It tells us so much about how to love our neighbor. It tells us so much about how to love our friends and how to love our children and how to guide them. It tells us so much about how to honor those in authority. Yes, the Bible might not tell you what you should do about this difficult situation with your boss, but you know what the Bible would say? To honor those that are in authority over you doesn't tell you if it's right or wrong, what your boss did or did not say, what your boss did or did not do. But the Bible is very clear. Again, the wise thing to do would be to honor those in authority. I remember one of those tickets um, I got pulled over. I was going 10 over the speed limit. I was a freshman in college. I went to the University of South Carolina. I was driving through small town South Carolina on my way back to Columbia where the campus was. And I was going 45 and, and miles an hour and I crossed over the speed limit. The speed limit said 35. Now, me and my uh, moral convictions, I just thought that was okay, right? 45 miles an hour going in a 45 mile per hour zone. I, I went right past the 35 mile per hour zone right? And the moment I did, I see a cop and they turn on their lights. Now, what are you thinking in that moment? I'll tell you what I was thinking. I was like, come on, I cannot afford to get another ticket. At that time, I had three speeding tickets in the, in the previous 18 months, and this was going to be number four. And so the cop, I remember he coming to the window, I rolled down my window, and he asked me how fast I was going. I really, really, really wanted to be defensive. Like, I, I was like, come, I mean, hey, come on, man. I, I just saw the sign. I was in a small town. I, I really wasn't um, f- very familiar with, with where I was. Of course, that was my excuse at the time, but I really didn't know that town. He still gave me the ticket anyways. And my responsibility in that moment, even though I was wrong, I was completely in the wrong. I was going above the speed limit. Even, even though I wanted to make every excuse in the book, come on, man, give me a break, give me a break. I was wrong. But I remember giving the excuses to my parents, and they were like, too bad. 
right? Go to court and plea. The judge was gracious to me, but that's another story, right? But in that moment, I wanted to just push back, right? But, the, but, the, but regardless, the wise thing for me to do was to submit to my authority. I was wrong. I need to submit to my authority. Even though the Bible doesn't give the specifics that you and I want. You and I want to be told exactly what to do. We want to be told exactly what choice to make. We want to be told whether we're doing the right thing or the wrong thing. We want to make everything black and white. But sometimes we don't have that. But what we do have is this incredible book that gives us wisdom on how to live every single day. In Ephesians um, chapter 5, verses 15 and 16, I just want to read this verse to you. Maybe just whatever you're doing, just listen in to these few verses. And I want to give you a few filters to think through as we think through this question, what's the wise thing to do? The Apostle Paul writes this, and he says, be very careful how you live. Be very careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. He says, be very careful. In some interpretations of this scripture or translations, it says, be prudent, I believe Pastor Chris has even used that word in the past few weeks in this series, like be prudent, be cautious, be careful. It's just like that sign when you walk into the bathroom and the floors have just been mopped at a public place. There's that, there's that yellow sign that says uh, caution, right? Um, and it often will say, hey, be careful, right? If you walk too fast, you will fall. If you move in the wrong direction, you're going to slip. You're going to hurt yourself, right? If you get on the interstate and drive too fast, you just might get pulled over. One of my very best friends was going 105 miles an hour on the interstate one time while we are on the speeding stories, and he was taken to jail for reckless driving. Spent the night in jail. Like, be careful. The moment we lose caution, there is danger ahead. And the moment we are not careful, the moment we are not prudent, equals the moment we're not wise. And so the scripture would beg you and I today. The Apostle Paul writes, be careful because there's so much evil. Look at the the end of the verse of Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 and 16. Be careful, fast forward, because the days are evil. There's so much danger. There's so much harm. We do have an enemy that is out to get us. We have to be careful. You have to be careful to live in wisdom because it is so easy to live without it. You and I are one decision away from being fired. You and I are one decision away from getting into an argument or a a troublesome situation with our spouse. We're one decision away from pain, whatever that might be. Scripture says, be very careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. But here in the middle of this, it says, making the most of every opportunity. How do we live in such a way as to do the right thing and a wise thing in every single situation? In another translation of this, when it says, making the most of every opportunity, is actually very close to the idea of carpe diem, seize the day. In some ways, this language is very strong and very forceful. And the way that it's written is saying, hey, listen, be careful. Seize the day because there's so much bad, because there's so much evil. Be careful to live as wise, not as unwise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. And so just in light of these two verses, I wrote down these three filters. I know that you want to know what's right and what's wrong. 
I know you want to wake up today and say, what job do I take or what job do I not take? I know that you want to wake up with clarity. And maybe if it's, if it's you and thinking about dating or thinking about maybe who I should marry. I remember that's just a common, a common question of like, is this the right person? Is this the right person for me? There's so many questions you have that you just want answered. But I would just ask you to take these filters of what's the wise thing to do with you the rest of your life. This will allow you to live a life better, of better decisions and fewer regrets. Filter number one is this. Ask this question to yourself. Am I being careful? Am I being careful? If you're like me and my personality, I want to just overlook careful. I'm a risk taker. There's an assessment that I've done with individuals and or teams on a scale from one to 10. Are you a risk taker, right? Or are you cautious or careful? I kind of want to always give myself a nine or a 10, right? I hear a challenge and I think, why can't I do that? Two times, right? I, uh, the first time I ran a marathon, I remember running the marathon and being in pain and, 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 and having a lot of pain across my entire body. The next morning, I'm like, it ain't so bad. Let's do it again. And then my body told me otherwise, right? I just have this risk-taker personality. And so I don't like filter number one. Am I being cautious or am I being careful? With, the, with Living our life with this type of filter is hard for me. It might be hard for you because we want to quickly say, yes, it's not a big deal. Yes, I'll be fine. My son Josiah is very similar to me. And so before I can finish, parents, I'm sorry, I have compassion and understanding and grace on you because you're going to relate to this. I cannot finish a sentence of suggestion before he says, Dad, I got it, right? And he does. He has that personality where he kind of sees the future. He's thinking about it. He's thinking about the steps. He's like, I got it. I got it. I got it. Hey, son, make sure to wear your helmet. Dad, I'm fine. I need a helmet, right? Hey, son, make sure to, Dad, I know just, I got my phone on me. I know what time it is. Hey, son, make sure to, Dad, I'm fine. I'm not hungry. Hey, son, make sure. And I did the same thing to my parents. I remember one time pushing back on my mom against something. She was like, you're going to be a really good lawyer one day. I was in the seventh grade. I'm like, give me a break, mom, right? And so, because I wanted to push back and argue against everything because we think we have it figured out. And so this question, am I being cautious? Am I being careful? It causes us to hit the brake. It causes us to slow down. It causes us to zoom out and think about the implications of every decision we make. Am I being cautious? Am I being careful? Ultimately, interchangeably in this word, am I being prudent? Am I being wise? Because fast can often mean reckless, and reckless can often mean unwise. Fast doesn't always mean unwise, but it just might be. The second filter I want you to think through is, is this a good use of my time? That's so interesting. That doesn't come from me, right? That comes from this Bible verse here, making the most of every opportunity. If you want to live in wisdom, you have to seize every moment. Now, I don't know, but I'm sure this is true of you. You can easily waste time. I can easily waste time. I've gotten better at this in my life, but every day and every week, I'm thinking through, all right, what am I going to accomplish this week? What are the time killers? What are the time wasters? In fact, I have this area, this section of my journal where I actually write down my time wasters, and I really, really do avoid them. I'm not telling you that because I think that I'm super disciplined on it. I'm telling you that because I'm disciplining myself because I'm not disciplined in it. The reason I think about the time killers and the time wasters is because I have recognized the things that are crushing and, and pulling me away from being the most effective and efficient that I can be. So this is a tough question, but you need to work through it. Is this the best use of my time? Is this the best use of my time? The last filter that I want you to think through is this. Will this decision honor God? 
Will this decision honor God? Even the very end of this verse, because the days are evil. What is this evil notion? This evil notion, this evil scripture here, what Paul is saying when writing to Christians about the days being evil is it's a warning because there's so much that is opposed to God. There, we have an enemy that is against God. That's sin, and that's the enemy. That's Satan. He wants to slow you down. He wants to stop you. He wants to get in your way from you pleasing God. He wants to get in the way of you being an effective employee. He wants to get in the way of you being a good husband or a wife. He wants to get in the way of your family and your time. But wrestling through that question will lead to wisdom. Does this decision honor God? Now, I don't know the answer to your question, but whatever you're wrestling with right now, put it through this filter, these three filters. Is this cautious? Am I being cautious? The second one, is this a good use of my time? And the third, will this decision honor God? If you begin to wrestle through that, and you begin to answer those questions honestly, especially that last one, will this honor God? I can't tell you right or wrong. I can't tell you A or B. I can't tell you yes or no, but I'm telling you, if you are walking with wisdom, if you're walking cautiously, prayerfully, seeking wise counsel, if you're walking in such a way to maximize your time and you believe this is a good use of your time, your resources, your gifts, and you believe this decision will honor God, there is a good chance that it is a wise move for you. And that's something I can't tell you. I can't say yes or no, but I'm telling you, if you want to get to a place where you are living a life with better decisions, that's the filter you need. Before I wrap this up with one more thought, I want to give you a warning. The warning in this life that I often hear, and I've given this advice at times, I've been given this advice from other people, but I've also given this advice, and it's sometimes good advice, but I would say rarely good advice. It's often not good advice. Now that you're ready for it, I want to tell you what the advice is. I'm sure you've heard it, and maybe you've even heard it recently, and maybe you've even told someone this. You've got to follow your heart. You've got to follow your heart. With decision-making, I often will hear that, and you've often heard that yourself. Just follow your heart, like whatever's in your heart's desire, like whatever you're thinking about. If, if it's something that you really, really want to do, you should just do it. There are many people that have made unwise decisions following their gut or following their heart. I'm not saying it's always wrong, but I'm saying it often can be wrong. And the reason I say that is not anecdotally from this story or another story. I'm not going to tell you an example because I'm sure you could think of many examples of even in your own life when you kind of followed your gut, it ended up not being a good choice. Or maybe you followed your heart only two years later to find out you really hate the job. Or you follow your heart and five years in, you really regret making that decision no matter what it is, be it a job, be it a a relationship or, or a struggle that you're having to deal with, following your heart can be. I'm not saying it always is. It can be deceptive. And the reason I say that, again, is not from stories, is not from my life or your life, but it's the foundation in the scripture that we believe, that I believe, and I could mention even in the Proverbs, in the book of Jeremiah, and even certain things in, in the New Testament, that we understand this belief in Christianity that we are flawed, that we are born into sin. 
And that when children are born, we do not teach them to rebel. We do not teach them to disobey. We are born into sin. And sin are actions, thoughts or attitudes, anything that's not pleasing to God. We are born into sin. And the way that we live, the way that we are born, the way that we grew up, we are broken, frail people. And part of that brokenness shows up in our heart. Part of our brokenness shows up in our mind. Part of our brokenness shows up in our decision-making process. Several times throughout Scripture, there is a huge, huge warning that in some colloquial ways, I would change it. I would say, don't follow your heart. The Bible even says that the heart is deceitful. That the heart can devise wicked schemes, right? And you know this, and you're like, well, I'm not trying to devise wicked schemes. I'm not trying to lie. I'm not trying to, 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 to be deceitful. But the reality is, because of the brokenness that you and I have, if you follow your heart, you might be following a wrong motive. You know why? Because you and I can be selfish. You and I can put the needs of other people second to our own because we put our needs in front of other people. The heart is often very selfish, you and I can make up any decision we want and justify it pretty quickly, couldn't we? Well, this is what I want to do. This is what's on my heart. I'm not saying to not ever listen to your heart's desires. I'm just giving you a warning that often our heart's desire is not pleasing to our family. Often your heart's desire is not pleasing to those around you. And often what's on your heart and what your desire might not be what God's desire is for you. Now, I don't know how to fix and or appropriate the heart filter. I don't know what that looks like because some of your desires might be honoring and pleasing to God. Some of your desires might be wise. Some of your desires might be the right thing to do. And it might be what God's desire and will for is for your life. But that's not always the case. And just to give you that warning, to not always follow your heart, rather ask, what's the wise thing to do? Am I being cautious? Is this the best use of my time? And finally, that last question, is this pleasing to God? I'm telling you, if you wrestle through what you're going through and you walk forward with caution, you walk forward with wisdom, you walk forward with this idea that I'm not trying to do what's only best for me, but I really want to live a life that's honoring to God. You will live a life with better decisions and you will live a life of fewer regrets. As I close this time, would you pray with me? Father, thank you for this incredible truth that we find in Ephesians chapter 5. You tell us to be very careful how we live. And Father, I know so many people listening and myself included, we say, God, I want to be careful. But I know sometimes we just want to know what to do. We want to know what decision to make and help us today to wrestle through this question, what's the wise thing to do? And God, I pray that you would give wisdom to everyone listening, that as they think through this idea and as they think through this filter, that you would give wisdom for decisions, that every day when we wake up, we could ask, is this the right thing to do? Is this the wise thing to do? Most of all, does this decision honor you? Thank you for this time, and thank you for your truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before I send you off, I want to say one more thing. Pastor Chris shared just a few weeks ago about uh, the change coming in the Hodges household. The good news is that uh, we are not moving, and we plan on living right here, but we're transitioning off of staff uh, this summer. 
and I'm transitioning to a role that will serve churches throughout New England. Both Rachel and I are very excited about that opportunity to serve churches like Encounter in all six New England states, and we're really excited and eager for the days ahead. We're also excited that we get to continue uh, to see you around Encounter Church. So Chris shared that a few weeks ago. Just know how grateful I am to be a part of the Encounter Church family, how grateful I am for Pastor Chris, his love, his support, his friendship to me and to my entire household. I'm very grateful for that and grateful for all of you that make Encounter Church what it is. Thanks for being a part of Encounter Church. And we just want to say that we really look forward to seeing you in the weeks to come, especially on July 25th here at 1030. God bless you and have a good week.